Welcome to Uncut, a Makers Podcast, in partnership with FAF, with your hosts, Alice, Atia, and Juliet. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Uncut. I'm here with Alice and Juliet, and we also have a special guest today. How are you two doing today? Yeah. I'm good, yeah. Yeah, how are you? I'm just counting down to when it's when we'll have good weather because I am sure that this time last year well we're recording this in May early mid-May early May and it's not the best of weathers today so hoping really hoping where's the sunshine yeah because it was VE day wasn't it and we were looking at pictures of what we were doing on that day last year we were outside well it was in like proper lockdown yeah but we were just outside out we were still in our flat then mm. and the gardens outside it we were all dressed up in like some are doing a summery dress and we were having yeah. cocktails outside like pims yeah. outside in the sunshine yeah. and then yeah. it was just chucking down with rain yeah. Just, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> although today like you know the day that we're recording this today is garden day uk so which mm. i was involved in and it's not that bad so i think we're still going to spend a bit of time in the garden <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's raining at least my gardens my gardens horrendous oh anyway. oh, but mine's worse <laughs> horrid honestly the stuff that was left in there by the previous owner yeah oh, oh, so bad. yeah we had a lot of that as well actually it took us months to yeah. well not even months years to get rid of it. i think we probably still haven't got rid there's for some reason there's a what's that called it's like fiberglass like water tank in the garden <laughs> it's still there gardening no, I don't use know. for propagating or something. No, no, no. It's a big water oh. tank, which is like as high as my waist or something. Wow. And it's got trees growing in it. <laughs> and so we can't get rid of it because it's just <laughs> big and too annoying. So I think oh, no. that's going to have to... Yeah, that's a massive job to sort that oh. out. Can I tell yeah, you we've something? Got, I think, oh, oh, God. Yeah, yeah, you go. Can I tell you something that happened this morning? Olivia randomly just came up to me and said, Mommy, can we go to Atia's garden, please? Oh. <laughs> oh. Burn. <laughs> We will definitely have Olivia over soon. Okay. So we have a lovely special guest with us today. We have Jess from Jess Jones, the art room. So Instagram. Hello, Jess. Hello. Hi there. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us today. So today we're actually going to be talking about sort of more about DIY and interiors. So how you can introduce a bit of sort of, I suppose, art into your interiors and get a bit creative. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all? Okay, well, thank you so much for having me and inviting me on. So I live just outside of Oxford, and my whole life has been about art and design and mm. you know, creativity, really. I've been an art teacher for a long time in secondary school, so I sort of spend my working days, you know, working with teenagers and, you know, really thinking about their journeys towards the creative industries and have sort of, you know, lovely A-level students who go off to all sorts of different creative, you know, degrees and pathways every year. So that's kind of my number one kind of driver in life. And then my home we bought about eight years ago now and it was a 1950s bungalow 
that had, hadn't been touched since the 50s. Basically, it had been built by the people that we bought it from. So we had wow. sort of quite a mammoth task ahead of us in terms of making it our own on a really quite a minuscule budget. Hmm. So our priority was obviously to actually kind of redesign it into a space that was right for us. Mm-hmm. And so we set about, you know, knocking down walls and, and adding an upstairs and doing all the kind of renovations that, you know, it's quite typical of, of people buying bungalows these days but then when it came to the the interiors we had you know essentially like a blank canvas because it had been completely kind of you know renovated inside and, and left as white walls and you know that's where we started to think about playing around with murals and color and so actually the Instagram account that you've you've mentioned is really about my journey of starting to learn to mural paint and to cover quite a lot of the the walls in the house in different murals that are kind of relevant to each individual room or to the person whose room it is because the children's bedrooms have them as well yeah so that's kind of that's that's been me really kind of unleashing a new form of creativity at home Mm, I think also you win on Zoom backgrounds because oh, the mural okay. behind you is incredible. <laughs> <Right>. so, <laughs> Alice, you just read my mind because I'm sitting in the spare room and it's a blank. <laughs> it's so boring in here. So looking at this and looking at so um, looking at Jess's um, background, I am so yeah. I you know, it's funny you up. say that actually because I don't know how many of you have been you know, home educating children over this last year. But obviously I've been kind of on the other end of the camera teaching lessons Mm. from home Mm. and recording assemblies as well because I've got a a year group I look after for sixth form. I'm kind of the the pastoral lead for for sixth form in my school. And so I actually become a little bit of a running joke over the last year with all of the teenagers that I will always swap to a different background. (laughs) And actually I kind of move around my house and have always a different wall in the background whenever I'm recording. So even though I know that actually you don't use any visual in this podcast it's almost my default autopilot <laughs> setting if I know that I'm speaking to anybody on the phone to go and yeah. sit myself down in front of one of the walls that's been, <laughs> oh, been muralled because so cool. I know how much all the the teenagers yeah. have, have liked mm. seeing the different mm. ones mm. Mm-hmm. so cool for them as well to see their teacher is like actually a practicing artist I remember yeah. my art teacher at school was a jeweler and she sometimes would bring her work in and she'd be sitting there making jewelry and it's really inspirational I think as a student to to learn from someone who's practicing themselves as well yeah yeah no definitely I think having you know it's that level of passion isn't it actually it's you know sort of sharing the fact that it is quite an all-consuming thing and that you know and that it's that it's real life that there are all of these different amazing jobs and you know different pathways within the creative industries that they can can go out into Mm. yeah Okay. The other thing I really like is that you get your children quite involved in the art as well. So you did an interesting one on your stairs. <laughs> Was it just by the side of your stairs where you got your children involved in that? I mean, are they quite creative as well? Do you think it just sort of rubbed off on them in some way? Yeah, to differing degrees, actually. I mean, it's definitely, I wouldn't say, I haven't pushed it on them particularly. We have you know, I'm, I'm a real believer in drawing every day and, and creativity every day for all sorts of different reasons, not necessarily because you want to practice your drawing, but actually also because it's mindful and a way of, you know, expressing yourself as a young child and letting out emotions. And so there, there's definitely always been drawing materials and paints 
out in our household you know it's something they've had open access to so to differing degrees at different times they have been really creative and yeah I've definitely got them really involved with the mural painting on the walls and again in really different ways so the, the snowmen that you were referring to then Atia that mm-hmm. that was very much a temporary thing and I think that because I find it so interesting talking to other people about letting the children paint murals because obviously a lot of the time I get the reaction from people of, you know, well, I would say the number one reaction is I just couldn't do that. You know, there's no way I would let my children paint on the walls at home because I think people kind of have, a, you know, envisage handprints and paint dripping all over the floor mm-hmm. and, you know, that kind of, you know, idea of the chaos that that could turn into. So we do go about it in quite different ways actually, depending on the intention of the mural, I suppose, and whether I want it to be something that stays there for a long time or whether they want it to be as well, you know, what the kind of long-term objective of it is. So that the snowmen was very much kind of a Christmas bit of fun. You know, obviously we were, you know, in lockdown, not seeing people around Christmas time and having the two weeks off school. And it was really just another way of thinking, how can we do something creative that lasts for a few days? And is sort of enjoyable in in a more sustained way and also that we're all involved in together as well kind of like a a team project rather than everybody doing their own individual little bits of artwork so they had a a sort of snowman shape each going down the stairs and they had to design what they wanted their snowman to look like and kind of come up with a bit of a concept for it and then they had to paint it over over a bit of time actually because it couldn't all be done in one go they couldn't necessarily all be working on it at the same time they had to kind of come back and forth to it so I really you know I enjoyed it in terms of just a bit of fun actually just as simple as that but also it was there were a lot of lovely kind of lessons coming out of it in terms of working as a team together and having to be quite patient having to take it in turns and having to forward plan and you know sort of come back to it over different periods of time And it was also a really lovely example of the fact that artwork can be transient as well and doesn't necessarily have to be something that you're intending to keep there forever because Mm. even before we started it, it was very much discussed and a very open thing that it was just going to be there for a few weeks just for the the sort of early January period, just as a little bit of seasonal fun and then it was Mm. going to go again. Because as well as the mess, I think people's reactions to the idea of children mural painting is that they you know, don't want that aesthetically in their house either. You know, they don't necessarily <laughs> want something <laughs> that has been created by a seven-year-old mm. to have to be there forever. And I think, you know, sometimes it can be. You know, I'm a real, you know, real believer in having your children's artwork up all around the house. But equally, I think it's fine to say, you know, we're doing this for now and this mm-hmm. is this is just fun for a short period of time. So, yeah, that it worked really, really nicely in that way. I suppose were, that takes really, really fun. Yeah, it takes the pressure off if you don't, if it, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, it's not going to be permanent. So it doesn't have yeah. to be that super perfect as well. Mm. So it's quite nice for them in that sense as well. Yeah, uh, definitely. And that's so important for children, you know, learning to paint and draw as well, actually, because the perfectionism can creep in really young, yeah, actually, yeah. and the, the worry about something being good enough. And mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So taking that away, I think that's a really good point. Mm. Mm. Do you know what you've reminded? This is so strange. Like a memory has popped back into my head that I completely forgot about. When I was really little, my dad moved into a new flat and he painted in the bedroom that was for me and my sisters three borders, like frames on the walls, and we each did our own painting in our bedroom. Mm. 
And then along the long wall, he did one really big frame. And together we all painted this big jungle scene and the animals and stuff. I totally forgot oh. about it. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, that's a nice memory. Yeah. yeah. That is a really, really lovely memory. Brought that back for me. Thank you, James. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right, would you have any particular tips for people that, you know, like, for example, for myself, I mean, I love colour, as you know, but I just don't know, I wouldn't know the first thing to, you know, the first place to start with actually doing a mural. So would you have any kind of advice for complete beginners? I think this is probably the art teacher in me. I'm so kind of institutionalised in terms of we have such a sort of set structured way of, you know, planning artworks with with young people. But I do think that it it really works. You know, it's, it's there for a reason. It's a real sort of tried and tested method. But I do apply then to when I, I want to create a mural as well, which is the different sorts of, of planning stages and actually not thinking that, the inspiration might just strike and might come and to you and all in one go and you might be able to just go for it and, and let loose and, and paint this mural. I mean, some people can, you know, that's, that's amazing. But I think it doesn't have to be that way, and particularly for people who want to do it but feel a bit more, more nervous of it. Mm. I would say actually, you know, applying the sort of structures of a design process and actually finding your inspiration and, you know, finding a picture that you want to work from, whether that's you know, an, an outline or a sort of form or shape or, you know, something either figurative or abstract, whatever it is that inspires you or a sort of mood board of imagery. Mm. And then actually spending some time planning, you know, to scale. And again, not, not it doesn't have to be some type of like architectural drawing, you know, not like amazingly to scale, but roughly thinking about the shapes and the dimensions of the room and actually planning or the wall and, you know, planning that out on paper and actually painting yourself a sort of mock-top version of that so that you're really thinking then about the palette and the colours and, you know, how that's going to work for you. And actually going through those different stages, you can learn so much about whether you are along the right lines or not and whether you feel like that you can then visualise that in the space. Mm. So, yeah, that's, you know, that's what I would say in terms of people wanting to give it a go is actually to almost set yourself a little timeline and go through that kind of rigorous Mm. design different design Mm. stages of of planning and to the point that you then think oh right well actually if I've got this kind of a three or a two sized painting or drawing that I've worked out would fit that space and I am feeling confident about those you know I've picked the right colors now and I've had a little play around with them on the page and I can then pin that up on the wall where I'm thinking of doing it and you know it allows me to then kind of really visualize a lot more Mm. how it might look and that gets you to the point of feeling like you would be ready to do it and then the final thing I would say as well is just I, I always want people to just remember that it's only paint yeah it's one of the easiest things to be experimental with and and to take some risks with in your house because it can just always go back to a plain color again you know it's literally mm-hmm. the it's half a day and the price of a pot of paint so it's a great way to do something much more risk taking mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. you might ordinarily do but actually the flip side of that is that it's quite low risk really mm-hmm. yeah. do you freehand or do people trace murals on the wall before painting it? Yeah, I think lots of people do. I mean, lots of people use projectors. I mean, I don't, you know, so you, you'll get some really figurative kind of murals, you know, particularly when people do things in children's bedrooms, you know, if they want kind of characters or if they want something to look really figurative. I mean, there's a, there's a real trend 
on Instagram at the moment isn't there for flying birds that have kind of come from one of the I can't remember now it's a really designer wallpaper that that they've come from and lots of people have got these beautiful flying herons and and flying birds which are exquisite you know they're really wonderful murals and I know that sometimes they'll be hand-drawn sometimes they might be projected onto the wall you know lots of people have got these home cinema projectors now haven't they Mm. people bought during lockdown for using in the garden on onto a sheet and those can be used to project onto the wall if you're less confident about drawing out an image yeah I mean my murals personally are quite abstracted and they're quite about sort of surface pattern and, and texture and color and um, there's sort of quite a lot of florals and quite a lot of overlapping colors so everything that I do is pretty much freehand. Quite like the watermelon one you've got. Oh thank but, you um, yeah that's gone now actually. Yeah <laughs> you changed that one didn't you? How long yeah. did it last? <laughs> it lasted about actually it was the first thing I ever did it was, it was it was actually my sort of yeah my kind of wake up call to doing something other than just plain paint on the wall so it was about a year and a half to two years maybe that it stayed in her bedroom I really um, love- and it was really lovely and I did feel really bad painting over it <laughs> <laughs> and those were just quite simple shapes actually so I just did the typical kind of frog tape you know like painter's tape and then mm-hmm. used you know string and pencil to kind of draw out the arches mm-hmm. so still you know, still quite freehand just because they were quite simple. So cool. So as you know, this season we're partnering with FAF and I'd just like to talk a little bit about some of the projects that I've been doing with some of the different features. So one of the things I've been making recently is a dress with an invisible zip. Have either of you made used invisible zips? Mm, love an invisible zip yeah yeah yeah. I mean I always used to make mine just with a normal zipper foot but you can't get quite into the edge of the zip so sometimes you can just see a little bit of the edge of the Mm -hmm. zip which makes Mm -hmm. it not quite invisible obviously but uh so recently I've been using the invisible zip instead and it's really you know it just gives such a nice finish and you just you know it's completely Mm. invisible Nora was extremely impressed with the invisible zip just like (gasps) you can't see it at all (laughs) (laughs) yeah I found one of my really old makes that has an invisible zip on it and it is anything but invisible. It is a very visible zip. It's so bad. Because <laughs> I didn't use the invisible zip foot at the time. And I was like, this will be all right. And it wasn't. It was really bad. Yeah. The foot makes all the difference. It's so good. Absolutely. Yeah, it just takes a bit of that fear out of it as well when you know it's yeah. not going to yeah. you know, be quite so difficult to do. Because they've just got that little groove, haven't they? Just yes. So it mm. slots into that gap. Yeah. The only thing I'm not sure about is, which I could just look up on YouTube video probably, but when you get to the end point, the end, yeah. <laughs> what do you do there? I, I bodge it. I yeah. sometimes take, so I sometimes take it out, yeah. do the zip up and then finish it off. Yeah. But then I you can't quite right. get into that. You can't quite get into that edge, can you? Because the, the groove, I mean, you know, there's a stop, isn't there? Mm. So yeah, so what I normally do, well, this is what was in the instructions for my dress anyway, but it just said move the, you know, the little ends of the zip out of the way and then just, I guess you just sew as close as you can in your seam allowance up to that edge. But what, I just wondered if there's something. What part of the zip are you talking about? You, how do you go? Do you the, go from the top to the, to the pull? Mm. Yes. So okay, just so. the very, the stop at the end, mm-hmm. you know, the bit. So normally when you do your invisible zip, you have it open, don't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you 
but then obviously there's a point that you get to where you can't go any further yeah, I just, so, yeah. I just stuck there i just oh you just leave it there yeah okay that's fine oh. that's basically what i did so that was right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anything else that you've you've been trying this week with your machines i must say there was i had a few stumbling blocks with a type of fabric i was working actually it was a viscose fabric but then i found that the the bottom thread was it the top thread you could see the top thread at the bottom of it and it clicked that I actually needed to adjust my thread tension Mm. and I did not know where it was on the machine (laughs) I took time to actually go back and watch the because on the you'd normally on the lcd screen you'd see the instructions on how to use certain parts of the sewing machine so I actually took some time out to actually restudy the sewing machine and actually find out how to you know thread it properly how to fill the bobbin you know thread the bobbin and all those little things here and there that you kind of overlook and Mm. I didn't realize that I wasn't doing things exactly the way that I was supposed to do it with yeah I think we sometimes if you've been sewing for a long time you just assume you know the right way but yeah the new machine sometimes better to just check yeah yeah so I had to reacquaint myself with the sewing machine and how to actually use it so yeah so whenever (laughs) If you find that your stitches aren't as strong as they're supposed to be, just adjust the, the yeah. thread tension. <laughs> that would help. Uh, yeah, so. No, it can throw you a bit though. Moving on to a LED that yeah. type of machine because you can't. It's not just the normal buttons Book. and knobs on the older machines. You oh, have to right, yeah. Go and find you, where it goes. Do the cool screen. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, it was also because. It was so easy to unpick the stitches. I'll just pull. And I'm like, why am I able to unpick the stitches so easily? Because uh, what I'll do is just pull the bottom threads and everything just under. Yeah, if I make a mistake, I'll... And I thought for the past two, three projects, I've been, it's been so easy to undo, you know, mistakes and stuff. So I thought, I thought no, this is not right. Yeah. I go back and adjust the thread mm-hmm. tension. And it was fine. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah. Not always just on auto, is it? Tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good one. Yeah, I'm going to put my machine to the test a bit, I think. I'm going to, so I just, I ordered the Fiber Mood Martha Trench, which looks mm-hmm. pretty cool, because I saw one, was it from Wolf and Badger? Is that the name of the shop? Yeah, Wolf and Badger. Um, yeah, and it's a lilac and yellow trench coat, mm-hmm. and it's so cool. So I'm going to try and recreate it. Oh, um, is yours lilac and yellow as well? Well, I haven't got the material yet, but it oh, will okay. be, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll be, I don't know, even know where to look for the material, really. I think because I've got quite a specific thing in uh-huh. mind, but that'll be quite an in-depth project, I think. That'll be good. Looking forward to it. Mm. Okay. Um, how's it going with your husband's jacket? Um, we don't need to mention that. that one. <laughs> 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 no, that's on my, that is my me made may pledge so i've not gone deep with it at all this year with kind of the self-reflection side of it which i know is meant to be the reason for it but i was like i just need to put it out there and say this is all i'm gonna aim to do this month so i'm working on a project now and then i just have to say nothing else for myself until (laughs) i've made this jacket for him (laughs) yeah Uh, Thanks again to Faf for partnering with us for this season. Are there other ways other than paint that you introduce kind of like DIY or sort of like creative elements in your house? Well, 
I am all about the paint, really. So we have, I mean, our ethos in our house is only to buy secondhand things. We don't buy anything new. So I was thinking about this for something else I wrote recently, actually. I was looking around the house trying to work out whether I could find any furniture that we'd actually purchased new. And I couldn't, which I was really, really glad about. So you know, all of our furniture has come from either antique sellers or eBay or, you know, Facebook marketplace or kind of a mixture of, mm-hmm. of those kind of things. So a lot of the wooden furniture then does get upcycled and gets mm-hmm. pattern and paint and colour added to it as well. But actually, shamefully, we're actually not very good at DIY. I'm a bit of a, a one-trick pony. I, I actually, you know, we, we generally turn to other people to do <laughs> practical tasks, you know, when we're having things installed or things put up you know just all about the paint <laughs> yeah okay so you paint furniture as well in your your home is that any particular products that you find better or that you'd recommend for people to try yeah I do I think it's so important to get the right paint actually and definitely I think anybody who has spent time painting furniture will you know probably will have had similar experiences that if you buy the wrong paint in the first place mm. or don't put in the groundwork first it can go really horribly wrong and it can end up so sort of patchy and smeared and you can really really regret having done it and actually it can make all the difference because a really nicely finished piece of painted furniture can be you know beautiful and professional looking and can end up being better than something you could possibly have bought and unique obviously you know you've chosen the color and you've you know maybe personalized it you can do all sorts of interesting things to it have the drawers different colors paint patterns on it you know all sorts of different things but but definitely getting the right products and putting the groundwork in so actually sanding things down first Mm. um, and we just yeah my husband's just bought a beautiful g-plan cabinet actually for our our new bathroom and but it's got a, a bit of a horrible kind of goldeny dark stain on it that we don't like you know the end color as much and we know that under there there is some beautiful wood so actually it's you know spending some time sanding that down and then painting putting on a primer first so things like a zincer primer that actually then means that whatever paint you're going to use is going to stick to that really beautifully and Mm. you're going to get a really nice even finish to it Mm -hmm. and then the the best you you don't mind me saying products do you no Um, no no go for it great the yeah we sort of religiously stick to farrow and ball wood paint actually because I have, I mean, I've used Annie Sloan's brilliant as well. You know, I have used some, I'm sure there are lots of other brands that are great, but we have just generally found that with the wood paint, the Farrow and Ball, you need less, less coats mm. of it. And it just, you do get a really brilliant, even finish. Yeah, I used a little green paint company on uh, yeah, my I son's. I really like their ones. Yeah. Yeah. On his, so I used it on his radiator but they're not cheap. So then I was like, I need to mm. just paint somewhere else to justify buying it. <laughs> so I painted his, his bedside table and it's so nice. Like I didn't, wait, did I use, oh no, I did use the primer because it comes in the, they do it in the colours as well. So it's not like a general, I don't know if other primers are clear or what, or white, but it's the same colour. And honestly, the finish on that is so good. So much nicer than other like chalk based paints that I've used mm-hmm. on other bits of furniture. And it's just wearing better and that's mm. in a three-year-old's room like that's getting the most wear and tear mm. and it's yeah so good like worth worth paying that bit more for the really good paint because it will just last mm-hmm. better and look nicer have you yeah, had a lot any of people sort talk of... about okay sorry <laughs> i'm just going to mention the french paint as well i think i think mm. that's how you say oh, it anyway. a, a lot of people one. are using that aren't they at the moment so i've got some to try but i've not actually got around to using a huge 
triple was it triple wardrobe in my daughter's room which is basically just dark brown wood and it just you never see it on Instagram because it just looks really <laughs> like dominating and so I'm gonna plan to paint that one soon so yeah friend chic's good I, I did a couple of our dining chairs with that and that's that's a really nice one it's not overly it's not got the chalky powderiness to the finish it's got mm, yeah. a nice smooth did I get those brush that. brush strokes and things yeah um, yeah you're gonna say something Juliet yeah so I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna ask Jess have you ever had any mishaps with your um, <laughs> with you know transforming your space and your walls and your furniture any mishaps yeah absolutely all the time and that's you know exactly as I say in terms of remembering that it can always be painted over I mean I think I just I absolutely love color and I think quite often I'll hit a really good combination of colors and I love placing different color combinations together and it might look sometimes like I have a good eye for that but equally I can go horribly wrong as well you know and I'll put I mean at the moment actually we've got a blue on the stairs that I used to paint over those snowmen that we were talking about earlier because it got to sort of mid-January and I was like they've got to go and so I just (laughs) used a pot of paint that we had in the cupboard and it actually looks really really terrible in contrast to the wall I've got sort of a mural running down the stairs as well and it all looks really terrible and God, we're in May now, aren't we? Amazingly, it's still there. And almost every day, either my husband or I say to each other, that that colour has got to change. And as yet, we haven't done anything about it. So, yeah, I think I'm constantly making mistakes when it comes to colours, actually. But it's just... It's, it goes back to that thing that it can always be painted over, doesn't it? And I'd prefer, I'd prefer to keep taking the risks and trying to do the things that excite me more and that maybe give me more joy or have more potential to be something that I'm excited about even if it means you know having to have a few goes at them and making some mistakes Mm. do you also do you also transfer the arts to the ceiling so do you I'm not because I've not seen any what colours are your ceilings? Do you? No, I haven't actually. And I'm so full of admiration for it. There are some amazing Instagram accounts at the moment where people are doing, you know, like rich house homo that's got, you know, all the amazing kind of patterns all over the ceiling. And um, there's some fantastic stuff going on. And actually, I haven't done that. And just for a really annoying, you know, personal reason, actually, that I hope you don't mind me, me saying, but I I've got a hypothyroidism and I get really dizzy so actually even when I'm mural painting I'll go up a step ladder or up onto a stool and I can only kind of be looking up and doing the top part of the wall for a certain amount of time I have to take quite regular breaks from that Mm. because I kind of get a little bit of vertigo and a bit of dizziness Mm. so I haven't wanted to go onto the ceiling for that reason actually because I'm just worried that it might be a mistake Mm. and I might not actually Mm. feel physically Mm. like it's right for me Mm. so what we actually do is paint all of our ceilings in the same color as the room so we've got a couple of quite strong colored rooms which I know is you know something a lot of people do and I do think it looks really effective in terms of making the whole room feel quite cozy and quite cohesive and especially when you've got the bright colors of a mural on one wall or even or if you had some bright colors of a a wallpaper on a wall as well it can work really nicely then to have the ceiling in in the same kind of color tying in Mm. amazing yeah it's really inspiring because we're kind of always been like okay when that color's going on it's staying for three years or something (laughs) it's a it's a very big commitment to change the color but I really like that it's you know it doesn't have to be that kind of like you know I don't know 
permanent in a way and you can just like you know be a bit more experimental i've got a small mm. bathroom downstairs it's kind of like a utility and a little cloakroom sort of bathroom and i really want to try a mural in there so well we'll see we'll see if yeah. you can give, give me the courage to to try yeah. that yeah i said put away a weekend for it yeah <laughs> <laughs> starting in a small room is a really good good way to go isn't it because it is yeah. a balance as well and as i mean i think a couple of us have mentioned before paint can be expensive as well so it is mm. it's finding that balance you know i think often when i've painted a mural i always think well this can you know if this is too much and or this doesn't feel right i can paint over it but equally i totally understand with a whole room i mean we've got our bedroom is painted in a purple pharaoh and ball that i is in brassica which is a beautiful color but i haven't been very sure about it for years really but it still isn't being painted over because it's the whole room in in a really good quality paint and i just think no i want to keep keep living mm. with it and working yeah. out whether there's other colors that i can introduce to the room to make me you know make it work rather than rather than repainting it mm. because it's yeah. definitely finding that balance yeah. yeah and do you usually use sort of tester pots or what do you normally use for when you're using lots of colors because obviously interior paints can be quite expensive as you said so do you just use bits of what you already have yeah I do and I'm just not afraid to mix them either because I think mm. that so many of us have bits of leftover interior paint you know and have sort of a shelf in the garage or you know in a cupboard somewhere that maybe has the end bits of colors that you've chosen for walls and you know they're colors that you've chosen because you like them so actually they can then be used to mix you know other variations so quite often I'll have you know maybe like a pale pink that's being used for a wall and then from that I might actually create you know 10 different tones of of reds and pinks and purples and mm -hmm. oranges and you know take actually just in the same way as you would color mix in a palette using acrylics I'll just mm -hmm. get the emulsion and then mix them mix. you know with each other but also mix acrylic into them as well so all right oh, actually okay. just yeah start to create myself a much greater wider palette but using the emulsion as a base yeah as much as good quality emulsion is expensive it's still a lot cheaper than acrylics so actually using some lovely pastel colors especially in emulsion paint and then using them as your sort of base to color mix can be really cost effective as well mm. Mm. i'm gonna go and do a mural now <laughs> <laughs> this room needs a mural <laughs> so yeah. uh, do you have any is there any i don't know somewhere that you go for inspiration or like what are your usual sources of inspiration for ideas yeah i mean i think it's the usual ones really and that i am really inspired by other people on Instagram and on Pinterest. I probably look more to artists who I admire uh -huh. rather than other interiors accounts in terms of thinking about colour palettes for rooms and, you know, especially for the murals because, you know, ultimately they are like, they're like a piece of artwork. So I think I'm kind of drawing on, you know, I've got my, my background's in art history. I did art history at university. So I'm just actually constantly thinking about and looking at different different genres of artwork and and finding inspiration there. There's a wonderful Instagram account actually. I don't know how much you've come across her, Mel Mel Michia, who bases every one of her rooms from a different painting. Mm. And I find that really inspiring as a concept because you know what what she says is that actually if you really admire a piece of artwork and it really emotionally resonates with you, then all the ingredients will be in that piece of artwork. 
for a room mm-hmm. and actually if you take the colors and take the kind of main colors and accent colors and the sort of themes and the aesthetic and kind of emotions from that one piece of artwork or painting mm-hmm. then and take that and take it right out across your whole room then not only will it be really cohesive and will really work as a scheme because the artist got it right in that painting so therefore you know it's mm-hmm. kind of it gives you a vehicle for getting it right mm-hmm. in the room but it also you'll have a connection to it and it, if it's something that you've kind of you know felt an emotional connection to then you will you'll also feel that in your whole room and mm-hmm. I think that's that's a great way to look at things okay that's well, yeah it's been really interesting so can you tell us a bit about where people can find you Jess if they want to have a look at your work Oh, thank you. Yeah. So my Instagram is Jess Jones, the art room. And so all of my murals and I put my artwork on stories quite often on there. And then I also help to co-host an interiors account called My Meaningful Home. And that's a really, really lovely way that we we showcase, you know, different people who are sort of injecting personality and, and sort of narrative and thoughts into their own homes as well. So those two places online on Instagram okay all right well thank you so much for joining us today it's been really interesting and we'll definitely all be planning our murals over the next few weeks so watch the space so well thanks again and you've been listening to uncut the podcast for makers today you can find us at uncut podcast underscore on instagram and uncutpod.wordpress.com join us all again next week bye everyone bye Jess. Bye, thanks so much for having me. Oh, thank you for joining us. Bye, everyone. Bye.